What is up? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your non-sweaty host, Josh Shrinko, and then I got a soaked wet boy on the other <laughs> side, Chris Vaughn. What's up, dude? What's up? I just got done taking an ice bath in this outside. <laughs> do cold plunge? Yeah, I did, cold a, plunge, I did a cold dude. plunge in this negative, <laughs> negative two degree temperature outside. It doesn't... Doesn't take much for a cold plunge today, bud. You just got to step outside on the front porch, and you're cold, bud. Your your stuff's shriveling up real fast right now. We mm-hmm. we got we got negative temperatures. Uh, I woke up this morning; it's negative four degrees out. Not exactly what you hope for um, for a smallmouth fisherman. That's that's past my line. Yeah. Of like, but, of like about twenty <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah, I, I made the mistake of going out in single digits last year, and it lasted like so two dumb. hours. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty dumb. It lasted like two hours, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not like this is not a good idea." I drove. Um, I drove over White River today. It's mostly iced out on the south side. I was just. I was just telling our guests that. Uh, yeah, we're probably gonna have some ice on the rivers. Like it's ice. I don't. It is ice. Yeah, as far as you can see on the White River right now. So, do you remember? Do you remember that time you and I drove out to Sugar Creek and got out there? And it was, yeah, it was like so, we drove like an hour and a half and got out there. We're like, uh, there's nowhere we. Yeah, we couldn't even drag our kayaks in. We could just see ice all the way down the river. It was. We uh, actually got. Oh, that's we right. actually we tried to. Yeah, yeah, we we drug them all the way down to see if there was, if there was some open water, and we got down there, and it was like nope there's no can't do it it's one thing like you get ice on the edges it's not a big deal you know but like you get ice you know chunks in the middle and stuff that just makes it impossible so officially it's no fishing season right now and i would say it's probably going to stay that way for about you know three four weeks because we got a solid week of like really cold weather so i say let's go let's get the shed out let's go hit the ice dude let's (laughs) <laughs> yeah we could. we could we definitely could i'm actually can, uh this weekend I'm, do some go ahead good i was gonna say this no, weekend saying, i'm going down to florida i think i might do some fishing down there so that's that's one way to do it that's the life that's the rich man's way to get out of this <laughs> cold weather is go fly south mm-hmm. um I was going to say we could do some bunny blasting. That's what we've done in the past. It's, yeah. You know, got this cold. Uh-huh. So. I've got a friend down there that has a private island. So I'm just going to go. His <laughs> <laughs> initials J-E. Uh-uh. <laughs> He's a real good, real good friend. Different friend. Different friend. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just uh, going to go well, uh, gonna go down with my uh, wife's family. I think, I think they've, they're trying to surprise me. I'm a little nervous about it. Because uh, Ashley's uncle is, you know, really excited to take me on a tarpon trip. So okay. I'm like, I'm nervous that his definition of like a fun fishing trip and my definition may be a little different. But yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, at this at this time of year, though, it's like you can't really go wrong. No, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. So looking forward yeah, to if that. You find yourself hooking up live bait and drinking beers. I mean, it's better than what we got going on here. So yeah, you know. it's going to be like negative two when we're down there too. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, anyways, we're pretty iced out of the, I don't think we'll be smallmouth fishing for quite some time. Um, We do have a guest on the podcast tonight, somebody uh, who I think Josh and I are both pretty excited to have on the show. And actually, this is the second time we're attempting to record this episode. We had technical difficulties. difficulties, Yeah. So Uh, we're going to, Randy, Randy Hammer Time Long. No, what you always it? call him Rain Demon. Oh, Rain Demon, <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's up, Randy? How's it going, brother? What's up, guys? Uh, nothing, dude. Just uh, just talking shit, getting ready to, uh, you know, getting locked down. I think Josh and I are probably going to get pretty weird in the next few weeks, not having any smallmouth. Are you guys iced out, out in PA, too? Uh, we, I don't have any ice yet. Um it's probably coming by the end of the week, I would guess. Are you guys getting you guys getting we'll a little getting arctic? Some getting some arctic blast, are you? It's not as I don't think it's as cold as you guys, but normally we get whatever you guys get like a day later. So yeah. maybe tomorrow. I think it's supposed to be snowing tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good day. The Steelers lost. Just watch them lose. So you know, it was it was a it you know great timing to have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. have a pennsylvania native are you a steelers fan randy are you a terrible towel uh i was raised a steelers fan yeah mm-hmm. um okay. i watched the game i didn't really have too high of expectations of them to do very good so mm-hmm. yeah yeah you got yeah. you guys could kind of go either way i guess because you've got the birds out on the east and you're closer to to philadelphia aren't you yeah probably a little bit closer but i don't know i can't i don't know I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I've brought this up before. I've I we we're doing a we did a design uh a Susquehanna design uh for a Chigan and I sent it to Randy and it has the it has the Liberty Bell on there with Philadelphia and Randy's like fuck fuck Philadelphia dude that's not Ford Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was like damn dude from Western New Jersey. <laughs> He's like that's that's Western New Jersey thing. Get that off there. Well, I'm <laughs> happy like, to report that the Eagles are now losing ten to zero as we record this Ooh. podcast. So, yeah one of the, one of our associates was wearing an Eagles shirt today, and I was like, I was like, what is that? It said something like, uh, "You you can't stand us if you aren't us," or something something like that. That you know, some. I was like, "What does that shirt mean?" She's like, "Oh, it's for Eagles fans." You're either one of us or you can't stand us. And I was like, well, that's pretty true. I was like, yeah, Eagles fans are atrocious people. <laughs> You're fired. Get the hell out of my, the my, my in-laws are all Eagles fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they like to throw batteries at Santa Claus. I think that's <laughs> that's the long-standing Eagles story. There's uh, so like many. The 80s. Dude, there's so many stories like that where Eagles fans are like roughing up people and just being psychos. It's a weird, like, point of pride they have. Like, oh, yeah, our fans are terrible people. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know. And I don't – there was – um, I think there was, like – I don't know if it's true or not. I've heard there's, like, a, uh, like, a court at the stadium for, like, people that 
because there's like, <laughs> like they have a judge and everything on site there. Really, yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> D- doesn't surprise me. Uh, I could, I, well, I could just see that that judge being like, "All right, here's the deal." Or what? I can't do a good. That's the worst. That's the worst accent right. I've ever heard. Right. Randy, do, Randy do a Philly accent. Dude. Nah, man, I no. don't do any accent. Right. <laughs> anyways, anyways, that judge is definitely garbage for sure. So, um, uh, Randy, we wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, both because you're fishing buddy. We went out and fished with Randy in the, on the Susquehanna back in April. Um, but also you had one of the most prolific, uh, smallmouth seasons. I think that Josh and I have ever heard of, um, we, you know, we did, probably don't want to get too much into the stats, but give us the raw numbers, numbers of smallmouth and numbers of 20 inches, just, just to whet the appetite of these filthy, disgusting animals that listen to this show. Um, I personally caught 73 20-inch smallmouth, and then other people that were that were on my boat that were either friends or not even guided there part of the year. Um, they they added another 21 20-inch, so it's 94. Um, total smallmouth was six thousand, almost 6,400. Jesus Christ, that's that. That's like I said the last time we recorded, but like I've hit you know somewhere around 1500, 1700 smallmouth in a season before, and like I felt I felt like I fished my ass off. Like I was like, yeah, this is peak smallmouth fishing. The dude basically quadrupled me up. So mm-hmm. that's, that's those are Jeff, funny. those are Jeff Bezos numbers. For sure. <laughs> Randy, you know how they say like uh Jeff Bezos makes like thirteen million dollars an hour or something? Randy catches ten smallmouth per hour. Per waking <laughs> per waking hour. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the I remember so like coming into this season, like I I didn't know you at all. And I think it was sometime around like February ish, some sometime you were, you know, I think you had caught wind of Smalley Games and uh, you started messaging me. You slid into my DMs, dude, just started sending me pics, started sending me these juicy pics on Instagram. And you would, it was like February, it was the end of February, and you just like were like sending me these like, you know, pictures of you just every day. And I was like, I remember messaging Chris. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, he's just like sending me these smallmouth pictures. And it was cool because as we started to kind of talk back and forth. Flirt, I, as I, you began to flirt. Oh, we forth. were definitely flirting, dude. We were flirting hard. Uh, we were like, he was sent, he was sending me pictures and he was like trying to, he's telling me what he was doing. But what I kind of thought was cool as you were you were kind of like following you were fishing often enough you were like following the migration of these fish from their winter holes kind of into their spring uh patterns and i was like oh this is this is pretty cool that like somebody is like really understanding this movement because i think a lot of guys including myself for a long time you just go out and you try to find the fish you don't really think about like where they're at from week to week as much because you know, primarily we don't get out that often 
And the second thing is it takes you, it takes normal people like years to kind of figure that out. I was like, man, this guy's like chasing these, you know, school of fish that he's fishing for. Tell me a little bit about like early spring for you, what you kind of look for and what attributed to your success this past season. Um, so like the winter fishing, like last, last winter was super mild. So like, I mean, you could, I don't know, I had a bunch of crazy days over the winter, but I was on the, in this winter hole and, um, I was, I mean, it wasn't that hard to figure out. Like I, I knew once they left, I kind of had an idea of where they were going, but I stayed in the winter hole. And then one day I went there and it got real slow and I'm like, Oh, they're not here anymore. Um, some of the discussions I've had with, uh, the, the PA, uh, fish and boat commissions, um, fish biologists were that I think they said around 45 to 48 degrees, um, Fahrenheit water temperatures, the fish will start to pull out of those winter holes. So like now this, this year, like it was exactly that. I think it was right around like 47 degrees. They're just gone. And then, um, <clears throat> I just followed them up the river and I started cutting them. I mean, I kind of know where they'll set up on the river whenever they start moving up for the migration. Hmm. So that's, that's actually a really, uh, something I'd like to pick your brain about while we're on here too. So, so obviously, you know, winter holes, like I won't say obviously for us three, we kind of understand winter holes are like this area where the fish go and they, they hunker down for a, you know, the coldest months of the year. And, you know, I always define a winter hole as like a place where they can kind of expend the least amount of energy have that has the most protection. Sometimes that's, you know, it's usually a little bit deeper water, but there's some refuges nearby where if it floods, they can kind of get completely protected from the current. I've I've found those over the years and I've identified them. And Chris and I have probably, you know, I would say 15 to 20, like really like defined winter areas. Now that first kind of movement out of those, I have, I do have trouble sometimes finding that those fish were where would you like say like if you were just describing the first kind of pre-spawn staging areas? What 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 kind of characteristics are you looking for um, for where they set up? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's just like a big tournament coming up on the junior. I don't want to teach everybody how to catch them, but. Um, <laughs> There's a, I like to kind of target slack stuff. Um, I feel like they're pushing their way up the river and they got to stop somewhere to kind of rest, take a break. And they kind of, I feel like they, you kind of catch small schools of them in those type of spots. Is that kind of like, uh, cause I know a lot of like, uh, like in the spring people say like, oh, you look for like like creeks flowing in you look for like you know the top and the bottom of wintering holes or you look for like um you know like specific types of like like wood or something like that is there a is there a specific type of cover that you like to target like like in that early early spring time frame i mean to me it's mostly just 
I mean, I'm targeting Eddie's mostly. I mean, mm. other than that, they're, they're not that easy. I don't think they're that easy to find. Like, that's kind of where I find them. Yeah. There's some place where there's black water. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are active, I mean, they'll be right out on the scene somewhere. But I kind of pick it all apart because you don't know where they're going to really set up on it at. So you feel like they move like out of the bigger kind of protected areas and maybe into a little bit more of a micro uh like slack water area is that is that kind of what you're saying i think they they stop off in the slack water areas it's just the best place to target them as they're like now they've left the winter area Mm -hmm. they're moving towards wherever they're going to go to spawn and i mean in some cases i think it's i mean from the winter hole where i was fishing to where i think some of those fish probably end up might be 15 or 20 miles up the river Oh, wow. So I think it's like over the course of weeks, they're pushing their way up the river and I'm just picking them off in those places. So they'll just kind of hold They'll hold over for a few days in in an eddy or in a, in a spot to rest before they make another five, 10 mile push or something. Yeah. I don't know if they could move that far in a day. I mean, it might move half a mile in a day, but like, you're talking like the very beginning of March till like probably over the course of a month, they're moving um, to the area towards around where they're going to spawn at. And you guys have like, you have a lot more robust river systems. Than us, that's uh, to put it lightly. Um, but like our fish, I feel like they aren't moving that far to spawn because there's not these like, feeder creeks where it's like oh my gosh all the fish go and set up which we we've fished in plenty of areas like that so you're you're saying these fish are moving long ways like are they moving into more like a tributary type of area or are they like moving into like this certain type of bottom that they're looking for to spawn and i know all the fish don't spawn in one location but when you say they're moving that far like are they moving into more of like the feeder creek type of areas is that is that kind of what you're seeing uh yeah yeah no i mean i on the in, in some cases yeah i guess they they move into a lot of them move into tributaries of spawn or there are other places on the main river where you can catch them spawning too but i don't know i because mm-hmm. you know where we caught them this past time when we were here, I'm obviously, I'm not going to say, but that was like a pretty concentrated area. It's like, Oh yeah, this is like this. There were not only were there fish spawning there, but they were fish waiting to spawn there. So there was like these multiple stages. So do you find that on the Susky, they, they really try to concentrate on those really prime areas to spawn. You find a lot of them spawning in, in those places like that. I mean, tributaries are like, they do spawn heavily in those things, but you can catch them. I mean, you you can find them spawning anywhere where there's like slack water. You know what I mean? Anywhere where there's like water is protected. I mean, most of the bottom, if you fan, I mean, some of it's like sludge, but uh, I mean, they find the right spots where they can fan it out and it's still like that gravel on the bottom where they can make a bed. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. We don't have a lot of that here. We don't find a lot of like that's why um 
I remember that one of the first years we went up to the upper Mississippi, we were really like experienced like spawn fishing. And we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, but like, we just don't have that here. Like our, our spawning grounds are like very, very like spread out. Like we just don't have, like there's maybe a couple places where you go like, Oh, this is the perfect bottom for fish to spawn. And you'll find, you know, five, six beds, but you're not going to go find, I mean, we've found places on the upper Mississippi where it's like, there's hundreds of beds, you know? And that's like, that doesn't exist. So it's, I think it just, you need a more robust river system for that to happen. So maybe that's, you know, um, so on that early pre-spawn though, are you covering a lot of water then? Are you, are you like hopping from place to place or are you sitting in one spot, uh, a lot and, mm. and picking it apart? I mean, I always cover, I, I kind of cover a lot of water. I mean, because, I mean, if I go to a spot, I mean, I don't spend a whole lot of time at any spot because normally if the fish there, I, I mean, I feel like I can catch them pretty quick. If you're not getting bit, like, I don't see any point staying there. So I do move around a lot. There was, um, I just figured out because I had this conversation with somebody. It was the one day on the Juniata last year, me and my buddy, I think we caught like 140 something smallmouth, but I actually went on Google Earth and did like the measurement thing to figure out how far I actually drove my jet boat over 70 miles that day. Yeah. Do you have to fill up? No, I have a 30 gallon tank on mine. So I was good. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get like 20 miles in mine. I'm filling up dude. That's yeah. wild. Uh, I mean, I probably, no, get, I could probably get 90, maybe like 90 miles to a tank if I have it full, so we don't, we don't talk about this kind of stuff very often, uh, on the show, but tell, tell everybody about your, your boat setup, like, t- cause it's, uh, it's the first time I've ever been on, uh, one like that. T- tell everybody what kind of rig you run, Randy. Uh, like currently I have a, a 2022, um, 1860 rock proof with an outboard it has a it's a 150 jet so the outboards generally lose like 30 percent. so it's probably like a actually 105 110 something like that to the uh, pump um it's it's a heavy duty boat for the rivers around here they're like custom built uh it has a 190 bottom it has a half inch of uhmw on the uh, screwed in to the bottom of that and then i have uhmw on the sides um, hmm. and the uhmw is like you find that that helps you slide over rocks uh, helps you with turning that kind of stuff what do you what do you think the benefit of the uhmw is so the uhmw it does slide over rocks easier um it's basically like I think it's comparable to like a synthetic, like cutting board probably in your, in like your kitchen. Um, but it, it slides over stuff. I mean, I've had it where I've beached it in like some gravel and I was able to take it myself and push it like it was on marbles until I got it yeah. to water to where, but, and it's a heavy boat, but I was pushing it with the current. Um, yeah. Cause what kind of, it's also, like a it's thick, a, it's a thick hole boat right it's like a 0.10 or point 
0.125 gauge aluminum. It's 0. 0.190, and then it has a half inch of UHMW on that. Yeah, that's a um, so you could literally run that thing full 35 miles per hour into a rock, and it probably would not puncture the. I don't know, I don't know if I want to try that. Yeah, that's that's cool. I remember the first time I got on it. Um, it it's by far the fastest jet boat I've yeah. ever ridden in. Because I have a it's I have a, a it, Honda 150 105 on my boat, and it's the same hull thickness. I don't have the UHMW on it, and that boat straight up would. I mean, it probably goes. It probably goes what 40? 40. 41 something upper, like that up against current it's like 37 and a half i've seen i mean with flood levels and stuff i've seen like 42 of it down yeah. the river mine goes I mean, normal down the river is 39 mine goes 30 and i mean that's like you know 30 it goes like 29 upstream probably 31 down something like that your boat is significantly faster than mine and i don't really know why that is I would like to know and, and resolve it, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, fortunately, we don't have to take crazy, you know, ninety mile runs or anything like that. But you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's something about. I don't know if it's the. It's yours is a Mercury XS, is it? It just has a, so it's like a prop motor that they put a jet foot or jet bottom on, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I mean, think I don't it's know. the motor. I think it's the pole design. I think that's that thing. Randy's boat is like very much like a, the hole is like real shallow. Like it feels like more of a bass boat mm -hmm. type of hole. Yours is a lot deeper. Like if you're standing in your boat, like it displaces a lot more water. Um, Randy's is like, you feel like you're like, there's not sides on his boat. There's definitely sides on your boat. I think that's the main reason why just the whole. Well, some design. of it, I don't, I don't know about mm. that though either because mm -hmm. my boat has rod lockers in the floor of the helm area. That's why it feels like it's shallower. Like right. I have those rod lockers down there that are at the back where the reels are. They're probably eight inches deep there. Yeah. I don't know if I buy that either just because like my boat doesn't run that much deeper than his boat. I mean, I would venture to say on plane, they probably have about the same. They probably have, they probably run about as shallow as one another. And I doubt if, I doubt if my boat drifts that much deeper than his, like draft, the draft is very much deeper. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I still think it's hole design. I think that's the main, well, the Honda, maybe, are, maybe not the, how deep it is, but I, I, I know yeah. the Hondas are like geared different, you know? So allegedly it makes them run for a really long time. I don't really know, but I mean, when they, when I bought my boat, they did tell me like, Hey, this is, you know, Hondas are geared really low, so it's not gonna it's not gonna fly, even though it's a one fifty. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. I don't know if it's, if it's the fact that yours was an out, you know, was supposed to be like a prop motor. I don't know what it is, but the thing it's like a jet fighter. I mean the thing flies. So and then what kind it's of it's actually slow compared to the inboards around here. The oh, right. inboards are, yeah. Those are cool. That's what I mean I, I really feel I feel like jet boats, though. I mean, the speed thing, people get obsessed with it, but it's like, you know, you're, I mean, it's a fishing boat and you're at the end of the day, you're not like, I guess on the Susky, you're running yeah. pretty far. Uh, it doesn't matter a, for a you. Bit it doesn't matter for you and I, 
so much when we right. fish locally. But if I was fishing like on the Susquehanna or if I was like making runs, like I took my boat to Travers Bay last summer and I, there was like this Island that we wanted to go fish and it was probably like 12 or, or 13 miles away. And like just making that run 12, 13 miles. I was like, dude, if this boat was, if I did this run all the time, I'd have to have something that had, you know, a little bit more speed to it because yeah, it's uh it's something else, but, and what kind of, uh, what kind of trolling motor do you run, Randy? Um, I have a Lowrance ghost. Um, I would suggest nobody ever buy one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I went through four of them in the first six months that I had the boat. Oh my God. Uh, I had, they just kept giving me new ones. I tried to even get a refund. And they just kept giving me new ones. Um, I still have some problems with it. It's probably fine in a lake, but on the river, like on the Susquehanna and Kern, I have problems where I'll try and spot lock somewhere fast. And like the first thing that thing will do is turn around and aim right at me and drive me 30 feet downstream and mm. then try and take me back to the spot. And uh, my previous boat had an old Trex on it and it didn't do anything like that. I mean, it would. I mean, once it gets you on the spot, it's pretty good at keeping you there. But I feel like it's computing power. Like it figures it out too slowly compared to Ultrex. So, yeah, I mean, our Josh and I both have them in Coda. You have the old Terra, don't you, Josh? No, Terova. Oh, you have the Terova. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they. I feel like they're okay. But you know, anytime you're using spot lock and current, it's like. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fine, but you definitely get a lot of like, you know, it'll over accelerate in certain ways, or you'll get in these moments where it just like freaks out on you and it's turning every which direction, you know, trying to figure out a way to like lock you in place. But, um, so we, we talked about this, uh, the last time, but so you, you started guiding this year and, I know it's like kind of a part-time thing. You guide under, I think, Joe Raymond's guide service. Tell us a little bit about like your first year of guiding and like what how, how that sort of played into your fishing season. Like, do you feel like it helped? Um, do you feel like it hurt? Like, what what was your what was your sort of take on your first season of guiding? Um, I mean, I feel like uh, the. the it, it helped me. I mean, I've learned a lot by watching other people fish and, and I had some problems maybe early on, just trying to like talk people through how to f fish certain baits. Like I would just be like, Hey, you need to slow down or whatever. But I wasn't, I wasn't like, being specific enough. And then um, the one time we were fishing a chatterbait and I was trying to tell the guy how to fish it and, I just like, hey, we just need to slow down. You need to put the bait right in the specific. The water was up, so the fish were in very specific spots. So the cast had to be pretty accurate. But he was running it a little bit too fast, and I just kept telling him to slow it down. But then I was like, hey, just throw it out there. Get it until you feel vibrating. Slow it down until you don't feel vibrating anymore. Then just fast enough that you just feel it again, and that's how fast you need to run it. And once I told him that, then he was fine, and he was catching them. Um, so some of that was on me. I just but um some of it's a learning experience. I mean, as far as hurting me, I don't know. I mean, 
probably would have caught a lot more fish if I just fished by myself all year. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, so, so you know, you're you're out on the water a lot. That's you know, we've talked about that um, at times. Just like you know, you're you spend a lot of time on the water and I think that has a lot to do with your success just because you're constantly out there learning and you're following the fish. Um, so let's kind of, we talked about springtime, wintertime. So let's fast forward to the summer. So we're talking about the Susquehanna and the Susquehanna. We've talked about it a lot here on the pod, but it's a very, very large river system. Um, pretty shallow, really can't get on it unless you have a jet or a kayak. Um, it's a pretty, um, hard river to fish or to navigate out of, you know, in any kind of other boat. So when you get in the summertime and obviously conditions change, so that's, this is going to affect it, but let's say, let's say conditions are stable for a long period of time. So let's say conditions are stable for three weeks. You got basically, you know, pretty even water levels, you know, have a ton of, pressure changes, not a lot of storms. Do you find that like when you go out multiple times, are you finding these big fish moving very far in those? Are you finding those big fish in the same areas in the, in that time frame? I mean, I feel like I do find big, I don't know that it's the same fish. Like I feel like those fish are constantly kind of moving around, but I do feel like, there are places that if I catch a big fish there, I do kind of see where it repeats itself. And I will, if I go back to that spot and hit it like a couple of days later, I mean, I don't know if it's the same fish. I don't, I can't really tell, but they're, they're the fish does, there do seem to be bigger fish set up in certain places. I don't know if it's because it's like the best place to feed around a certain piece of structure or, whatever and they just kind of like take it over but um i do catch there, there is something to that i think i do catch big fish in the same places like i had even there's some of the guide trips i had i'd beat up to a guy <clears throat> i was going down to this one island i told this guy i'm like there's always like for the past like three weeks every time i come by this island there's a big one sitting right at the head of it and uh he was there and he cast it and he caught like a 19 and a half or something. And then I, I looks good for me, but I mean, yeah, but <laughs> there was something like there was one there like for three weeks. If I went by there and fished it four times, there was always a big fish on it. So. Hmm. I noticed you did that whenever we were out fishing with you, you were calling shots. I don't know if Chris experienced this when he was in your boat. I did, but. <laughs> I've never, I've never experienced the more like pull up to a spot. And when I say pull up to a spot, like I'm talking big motor, like <laughs> Randy's like, he's coming up on this spot. It was, spot pretty, it was it, pretty muddy to be fair. It was pretty mu It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it was. No, no, I don't mean he was scaring the fish. I'm uh. just saying like he knew exactly where he was going. Yeah. Right. Like he's like, He's like, oh yeah, let's throw our rods down. Let's we're gonna make a run, and he would like pull up, and he'd he'd be talking about like, all right, there's a spot, you know, and we pull up, big motor, you know, put the trolling motor down. And he'd be like, all right, there's you know, there's probably gonna be a big one right here, and sure enough, one of us would hook 
a big fish in those spots. And we did that a bunch. We were like spot hopping. And there were like these like very specific areas, which I have certain areas like that where I'm like, I come up to it and I'm like, oh, I've caught big fish here before. But I don't call my shot like that. <laughs> like it was, it was like, I remember in, because at first you do that and you're just like, yeah, this guy's full of shit. Like, yeah, I, we're not going to like pull up here and catch a big fish. <laughs> and then it kept happening. I was like, and so every time we would get turned on the big motor, I'd get really excited. And I'm like, he's going to take me too. He's, it's like a guaranteed fish. Were you, uh, were you, did you feel like that, Chris, when you were fishing with him? Yeah, definitely. I thought, well, the, the day I fished with Randy, we were having like torrential downpour and the river was starting to come up pretty hard. So he like sent you guys over to this bank. He's like, go fish that bank over there. It's like really good. It's like the best spot you know, on the river. And I was like, Oh, great. He's going to like, take it. <laughs> He's going to like, give them all the good spots. And, uh, yeah. And then we, yeah, absolutely crushed. It was pretty phenomenal, but I mean, I guess, you know, I guess the big thing is, you know, you got, you had like all the, like the gauge marked out, you know, where you knew exactly what level the gauge was going to be at, where the fish would be and that kind of stuff. And do you think that that's like that USGS tool? is like critical right having an understanding of where the water level is and what the fish are doing is that something do you keep written notes and like a log of all of that kind of stuff or are those just like mental notes that you're taking when i have a like an except when i what i think is an exceptional day i document all that stuff um mm -hmm. and it is that's the same thing um the fish are gonna they just seem to if you find those same conditions the fish are gonna be in those same places i mean because they like <clears throat> a lot of it is like josh well that that day whenever you and i fished chris it was those are like my favorite days to fish is when it's like that because no the fish a great are day. Like, yeah the, the fish the river forces fish into very predictable places whenever it's like that. And um, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong about this. I'm pretty sure there was a general feeling in the camp to not fish that day. Is that, was that that day or was that the, the next day? Yeah. Not for me. It wasn't. No, was no. <laughs> yeah. I think that I, cause it was like, it was like pouring rain. It was like, and the river was like muddy and coming up. Wasn't there a general feeling in the camp to not fish Josh that morning? Mm, I would never say I wasn't going to fish. I think it was kind of one of those things we were like, man, it might be like really bad out there. And I, th I think that was the day we moved spots. Like we ended up one of the days we had a bad morning. It was like probably the only bad stretch of fishing that we had. It wasn't that day. It was the day that, yeah, that me day. and you, it was me and you were fishing and him and Derek. Yeah. And then we switched areas like later in the day. And then we ended up Doing crushing fine. it. Well, yeah. well, somebody crushed it. I wouldn't say that we did, but yeah, that's uh, the day that Josh threw a complete bitch fit. And everybody, everybody <laughs> that's on that trip knows it. He was, he was throwing a complete bitch fit and everyone was like, chill. It's just fishing. And Josh was like, no, and then finally, at the end of the day, he finally caught a 19-incher. 
and he was so oh, excited Chris. about it. And, oh, no. Chris, if I if if <laughs> if our audience only knew what the reality of that situation uh, was, it was so embarrassing. Um, I mean, I just had to sit there well, and endure him throwing a complete bitch fit for hours and hours. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize. That. I didn't even realize that it was a thing. Like Derek was uh, like filming me, and he's like, "Oh, those guys are so competitive. He's probably pissed off." <laughs> and then, but then we. We left, we went down the river and we started, I'm like, well, there might be one more spot down here where they might be set up like that. So we went down there and like, Derek was really thinking about you guys. Like, hey, call them and see if they'll come down here and fish this. Oh, yeah. Derek's such a nice guy. He really is. He just, he wanted us to come. Literally, we, like, we told the story on the last podcast, but we have to tell this again. We, you know, we're doing this technique where we're fishing out of the back of the boat and it's like, drifting our lures downstream and basically just kind of dead sticking them and letting the 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 current kind of give action to the lure and like in the the area that we were in wasn't very wide like we were you know within shouting distance of each other and like derek and randy were just dude they were just like like every other cast like it was like this like and Chris and I had caught like I think a couple fish, but it was like we're getting out. Fish it was like like ten to one, probably. Yeah, it was ridiculous, yeah. and you know it's like it, I've seen stuff like that happen, but I'm usually the one out fishing other people, <laughs> and I'm definitely not getting fish out fished ten to one with like within sight of somebody else, and and uh, the frustration was building. And so we moved over we, you know, and pushed them out of that we, spot. We literally <laughs> moved within like a few feet, 10 feet yeah. of them. Yeah. And we start fishing basically the same spot. And, and like, I think we may have caught like one or two and Randy was like, not in a mean way or anything, but he was just like, yeah, we'll move over to the other side. So back we, where like, we were we kept, fishing, <laughs> we kept fishing the same area. He goes over to the other side where we were fishing. And we stopped catching them, and he started just absolutely <laughs> slaying. And this was like the camel that broke the straw's back, or the straw that broke the camel's back was Randy ties on a full size rat. Yeah, and we're using like flu. Got, Got another one on the rat. Got another one on the rat. That was that was Derek antagonizing yeah. you guys. I wasn't, <laughs> dude. I mean, I remember banjo, he caught like throwing a banjo minnow over there. <laughs> he caught two or three on that rat, dude, and it was like, it was like all that tension that we'd been building, have been building. It was like, fuck this, <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I remember they ended up running downstream, and. We kind of we drifted. We caught we kept a few. Drifting down, or, we caught a few. Yeah, we drift. <laughs> we drifted down, and we go back up, and uh, and then we finally ended up catching a couple nice ones. I think that was the thing too. We couldn't find any nice ones. They were like yeah. catching eighteens, nineteens, and just like for whatever reason, dude, we just couldn't we, find it. But they got it far enough away where we could still see him, and I just kept seeing Derek grab his bump board. And I was like, that <laughs> motherfucker! I was like. <laughs> Oh man, dude, we were. We... I, do, I do remember. So I fished with Chris the next day. I yeah. do remember Chris told me he's like, "If Derek yielded, you caught one more on the rack. I was gonna jump out of the boat and fucking swim over to your boat and start fishing." I was about to. I was about to mutiny on Josh. Just let him have my boat. Here's my keys. Here's my boat. Just keep it. I'm gonna go over there. Well, 
you know there's there's something to be said for that though like you know randy i on that next day whenever i was running chris's boat and then randy you guys were together for half, was for like, half the day like yeah, yeah half the day i think i fished just the morning with yeah was, and then we switched yeah and i remember that particular day we were fishing and this was one of the first times i've really committed to a chatterbait bite like i was throwing we were catching them on chatterbaits and you guys i'm not going to give away your technique randy because uh, I think it's somewhat unique the way you're fishing them, but mm-hmm. like you guys were catching them a very specific way. And I wasn't in your boat to understand that. Like right. I, I, I knew what you were throwing, but I didn't know how you were throwing them. And we'd caught Derek and I had an okay morning, but you guys were definitely like, you guys were out fishing us. And, um, I remember like there was this one spot and you, you had caught some and you like pointed to it and you're like, you're like, I've thought about this after this situation, like multiple times, by the way. Um, and you're like, oh, you know, pull up here. And like, I pulled up there and I just, I, we didn't get any bites. And I remember afterwards, Chris was like, yeah, it was a, basically where the river bended like around. And then there was this like, uh, it wasn't an it was eddy, a, but it was, it was a kind of an eddy. Yeah, it was an eddy. Yeah, it was a current. I think of an eddy as like a circle. This mm. was like more like a sharp current break. And then there was this like rock that extended out. And it was this like very defined like seam. And the way I pulled up on that seam, I basically put the boat where you guys would have like in the strike zone. Casting. Right. Yeah. You're right over the and like. Yeah, and like I just didn't, I wasn't in the boat to like experience what you guys are experiencing, so I didn't know like, oh, I needed to be back off of that more and casting up into the area where my boat ended up being. And you know, to, in my defense too, it was like it was ripping current right then. It was like very, you know, it it, it wasn't like this like lake where you just like come up, but you and you had to basically like spot lock wherever you're at because you just get flushed downstream. But, right. um, but yeah, I remember like thinking afterwards, I was like, dang, like they really, they had it like dialed in that much where like, that's what you had to be doing. Cause I ended up fishing with Randy later in the day. And like, I remember being like, yeah, that's, that's what we were missing out on. So, yeah, I mean, we actually didn't fish that spot. No, we got, we saved that spot for you guys. And then, yeah. I mean, maybe I probably didn't do a good job of explaining how we were fishing it either, but we went up and fished a spot up above there. And Chris is because he fished with me all morning. He's like, they're sitting on top of the fish. And I was like, yeah, they are. But like, I don't. And then <clears throat> you guys moved out and then we went down. I think Chris caught like a, a maybe two nineteens yeah. like, real fast out there. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as they moved out of there, we caught some fish. But I mean, I think overall, you know, you, how many days out of the year did you fish this year, Randy? Like in 2023, 199, 199 <laughs> days. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no substitute for time on the water, right? There's the 10, the rule of 10,000 hours or whatever it is, you know, there's no substitute for time, but overall, like, um, if you could, if you could direct people to something that like a, either a, a book or uh, some content or, um, you know, some way or so- something that could advance their knowledge and kind of 
like push them because you know most people don't have 200 days that they can go out like what would you what would you suggest as far as or, or tools with which people should for, become familiar or anything like that i mean i mean that's i mean really that is it like if you're looking for a short i mean i don't think you can accomplish what i accomplished fishing 30 days in a year like no. you like so people that are looking for shortcuts i don't know i mean i mean for for, for one thing like going as far as the river is going mm -hmm. i mean you can probably the biggest way to determine to improve your success rate for catching fish is going when the fish are triggered to feed so like if you are if you understand those gauges and are paying attention to those gauges it's a pretty good predictor um when they're going to be the most actively eating you like you like the river on the rise um, yeah on the rise um and then once it starts to fall i think it all depends on how fast it's falling but i feel like the fish immediately start pulling like if, if they get if it rises to the point where they get pushed on the bank i mean those are really the best days around here i think like I, just concentrates those, those are, concentrates the fish yeah. pushes them up on the bank tight to cover that kind of thing yeah josh saw that back in august like it was i mean i i just know when there's because i had a day very almost identical uh, gauge wise to that day that him and his dad really hammered them and it was like i just i mean it just proved that that's what they were they were going to be there again and they, and they were so they went over and they creamed them over there mm-hmm I was jealous. I wish I was catching all of them that day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would. I would like give you some empathy here, there, but you caught damn near seven thousand <laughs> smallmouth this year. Sorry, dude. Let me have. Let me have my evening. I did catch a hundred fish that day by myself. The day you guys caught them, but yeah, that I wasn't was catching the quality of fish you guys. Was Danny? That was really was Danny. Oh, Danny wasn't there yet. Danny no, showed up late. That, no, Danny. Danny was there the next day when we had the yeah. Shrinko Derby, as Randy likes to call it. <laughs> he didn't like that, dude. <laughs> you got you got sucked into one of Josh's foolish games, dude. Yeah, it was it was like kind of fun, but then it was. It's not fun. It's there's nothing about yeah, it. I, the only time like, it's fun is I'm like, the only time it's fun is when you beat him. Other than that, it's not fun. I had to, the only way we, we finished with a tie because I converted one of my 20s to a 19. So I could ah. beat the out. But then, so listen to this, Chris. So anyway, we're fishing to the end and like he sends a message that they're done. And I'm like, so now I'm like, this is not going to end good for me. Like if, if I beat him, that's what I'm supposed to be. If yeah. he beats me, I'm never going to hear the end of it. Mm -hmm. So like, Unfortunately, I had to turn Steve Schranko into a co-angler real fast. And I was like, just <laughs> nosing everything until I caught the fish. And then we get back to the boat ramp and Josh is like, oh, you're blocking my dad from catching those 20s. <laughs> 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 Josh, Classic, dude. <laughs> Classic. Classic dude. alpha male behavior. Just uh, That was a fun day, man. But that was like. Fun for you, maybe. <laughs> no, that was fun, dude. That was like, it was, I mean, regardless of the competition, it was just like, 
that was a fun day of fishing like it wasn't lights out or anything like that but it was like consistent it was like a typical you know we I, we've talked about it on the podcast before but the the susquehanna has in my opinion this like i've been there a lot of different you know summer spring fall now and it has this magic about it i i i think the magic of the susquehanna is like when like it's in middle summer all those islands are in full bloom you got all and the water it's got enough water in it to where those that grass those grass islands like play because a lot of times i've been there in the summer when it's been too low and all that grass is basically dry and it doesn't it doesn't provide any sort of cover for those fish like when those grass islands get wet and they're but you can still see them not when they're completely covered up when you can still see them so it makes the river look really cool because it's all broken up by dirt islands and grass islands and you have water flowing through them it's like it's like sometimes dude just like man this is like sensory overload and there's just fish everywhere and that was like one of those days where the it had enough water in it but it wasn't flooded and it was summertime those fish were like relating to the islands and i i just had a lot of fun man that's like if you haven't experienced it that's the time to go experience the susky when it's like that it's there's literally no other place in the world that's like that i mean it's it's super cool so well, you've got a def- you definitely have a cool fishery. You're somebody who um, takes full advantage of it. So, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, you're kind of blessed in that. And we talked a little bit about this last time, but, you know, the Susquehanna is a unique place because for a lot of reasons, but because it's a, a very large river with a tremendous smallmouth bass population, trophy smallmouth bass population. And it's big enough that, you can spread out even with a bunch of people on it. You can still carve out your own little areas and it's shallow enough where it keeps the prop motors off of it. So there's really nowhere like it. Um, and you know, I think you, you primarily fish the areas upstream of like what, where do you, like if you had to narrow down, like the, I guess it's the main, the main stem, but like the upper main stem area, is that right? Yeah, I would say that. I really don't fish south of Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I'm I am further north from like a lot of that stuff you hear about is down there around like the Dolphin Narrows and Fort Hunter. That's like a popular area where there's all the I don't I fish down there on occasion in the winter, but it just gets really crowded down there. That's a pretty yeah pretty far drive from where you're at too going way down there when you've got good stuff that's nah, really it's, close it's not really 35 minutes maybe oh that's not, not bad. bad yeah that's not bad at all well the other thing about the susky is like in a jet but specifically like you really have to learn that river like to run it like any other river but except there's more like there's more treacherous stuff that could rip a hole in your boat and i feel like that river is big enough. Like once you learn a section of it, there's enough to fish. You probably just don't need to go anywhere else just because, you know, then you end up having to learn, you know, whole other maze to navigate through. Is that, is that kind of your mindset with it, Randy? I mean, I've been on a lot of it, but, um, 
the the thing with when I started guiding was just so I wasn't burning stuff up. I I had to go out and learn, like kind of really familiarize myself with other stuff. Um, so because I didn't want to, I mean, I want everybody to have a good experience whenever they go fishing with me. So I don't want them to fish something guys just fished the day before or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. So it kind of forced me to learn like some stuff that I've fished before, but I didn't really put a lot of time in and uh, figure out all the intricacies of that spot of that area. But, um, but yeah. Hmm. Well, guys, I hear somebody calling for me. Unfortunately, I think I need to, I think I need to, I need to jump off here. Okay, you're right. Go ahead, yeah, man. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue with Randy for a few more minutes because I want to get. I might be back. I might be back. Just a all second, right. okay. All right, um, all right, Randy. So, I have a couple kind of quick hitter questions for you. I want you to, I want you to uh, give us some, give us some juice, give give some juice to the Wet Boy Nation, bud. They've they've heard about they've heard about your name. They've heard about the legend is Randy Long. You beat Smalley Games twice, which, you know, pretty shameful. If you're gonna ask me, like I I I beat it once and it took me all the way until the you know, mid October before I was able to close the deal. You basically beat it once and then you're like, Hey, uh, can I get a second board? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you can get a second board. Uh, and then like within like two weeks, you're like, yeah, I beat it again. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Um, so, you know, the, the legend of Randy long is, is, is a, is something to behold. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you something. And by the way, the bronze master stuff, I, I'm waiting on it all to come in. Everything's been, ordered we got a cool package for you guys coming this year so you'll you'll see that soon enough um but this is what i want you to tell our audience a little bit different from what we talked about last time all right if you could if you were like the beginning of the season right you're getting ready to start let's say like end of february the water's starting to warm up a little bit you're starting to like get the itch. You're like, all right, man, I'm going to start hitting it hard. But you knew at the beginning of the season, you could only pick five different lures to fish with. So your tackle box, you can have as many variations of this lure that you want, but you can only <laughs> carry five with you all year. What five would you pick and tell us just a little bit of a snippet of why you would pick that? So, Five lures, go. Um, so the first thing I'd probably pick is, is my favorite way to catch them is a chatterbait. Um, All right. That'd be one. The second would be probably a swim bait, a, a soft swim bait, like a paddle tail. Okay. A fluke. That's what I like to hear, bud. Well, am I rubbing off on you a little bit with that fluke? Yeah, you did. I mean, I fished the way that – I didn't fish it exactly – I have nose rig flukes before, but I didn't rig them exactly the same way you did. But um, I saw the light. I kind of – in all honesty, I think probably in, like, the warm weather, because I used to, like, use meds and stuff in the summertime to, like, 
I think I kind of replaced Neds for yeah. honestly. I kind of yeah, quit using them all together. Neds, I do in the winter now, but yeah, it's like it's like a finesse technique, but it's like a fun finesse technique. That's yeah, kind of the way I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're a guide, I feel like a fluke is like if you got a guy that's just not very good at fishing, a nose hook fluke, dude, you can put that on a kid's rod and like they'll catch fish. Cause they pretty much hook themselves. Like you don't need to like this huge heaving hook set. And like the fish, a lot of times the fluke, like they're going to eat it when you're not doing anything with the lure. So like you can basically tell somebody like throw it out there and just let it, just let it drift and you'll get bit a lot of times. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's, I like that. So we got, we got a chatterbait. Are you jackhammer only guy or do you, do you? No, I use different types of chatterbaits. Um, okay. Okay. I'm kind uh, of, yeah. The chatter, yeah. the jackhammer, when it gets real dirty, I definitely, that's about the only one I use. Like when the water's really stained. Um, yeah. Yeah, so then that, uh, I got three, two more yet. Uh, yeah, so you got a you got a chatterbait, a soft swim bait, fluke, and then you get two more. Mm. I mean, I probably for the whole year though. I'm gonna have to use. I'm gonna have to pick something for the winter. So probably for the winter, we'll do a, a jerk bait, a hard jerk bait. Okay. All right. And then, I don't know, probably a toss-up between a, a spinner bait or some sort of bottom contact bait. I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, stuff. if, the, so if the, that tells you if it's for it, the chatter bait is, I don't really throw it, at, and I don't throw those things in clear water at all. So, um, <clears throat> it's dirty, I'm probably throwing a chatter bait or a spinner bait. Um, yep. Swim bait swim. is probably. Do you, th do you throw a swim bait just in like any conditions? Then is it like pretty universal? You can catch them all year on a swim bait, I think. Um, I mean, I don't like. I I love smallmouth, but they're they're pretty stupid, really. Like, I've had swim baits just laying on the bottom, and they'll pick them up and eat them if they're right in front of them. You know what I mean? Yep. <clears throat> um. Yeah, so that's probably it. I don't know. That that's six, I guess. No, that's no, that's great. I got Chris. Chris is back. I asked Randy if he could only have five presentations in his tackle box. What would he take? And he like that chatterbait, mm -hmm. soft swim bait, a fluke, um, a jerk bait, and then I think the last one was kind of a cop out. You said a, uh, you said what did you say? Well, I said a, a spinner bait. I mean, spinner baits. Spinner it's bait. fun to catch them on spinner baits, but I'm not catching them. If I'm going to use it for the whole year. I need right. I probably need something for the winter, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm like probably rather catch them on spinner baits, but I'm going to have to use a some sort of Ned. That Ned's a lot of different baits. It's just not a TRD. There's a lot of different yeah. Baits. Ned rig. I feel like like everybody thinks of it as like the mushroom style jig with a TRD. And like, I don't really fish that combination very often. Like I will throw a small elastic soft plastic and like 
our the last this whole winter, um, all of ours fish we caught are on were on like football heads. They weren't even on like those mm-hmm. mushroom heads. So, um, yeah, which what we've been catching them on, I'm not gonna say on the podcast, but uh, if you aren't using them, Randy, I it's a bait you would get completely like especially this spring you're you'll probably absolutely crush them on it if you if you haven't figured them out already um but all right so we did the five baits um what's another quick hitter question we could give randy before he signs off here chris well i was like asking if you could fish with one person through all of all of human history who would it be I don't know. I want to say myself. Uh, oh, 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 oh! Damn. I think not, that not I, that I'm like a psychotherapist like could have a you know field I mean? day with that answer. Maybe <laughs> you're, you're a, a you're, you're the clone, a clone of Randy. No, 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 just, you're just a look me. in the you're a look in the mirror guy, aren't you, dude? No, no, no. You're 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 misinterpreting what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody I'd want to go fishing with. I don't know, man. I don't. You just like fishing by yourself. I do like fishing by myself, yeah. but I mean, I like fishing with other people too. Yeah. <clears throat> I got. I like, like fishing by myself. I Chris. I don't think Chris is a as big of a fan of that as I am. Like I. No, I. I am. I like. I am at times for sure. I. I, I definitely prefer. Um, I definitely prefer like in a boat with a buddy. For sure, though. Yeah, maybe it's a boat. I know you like solo wades, but definitely uh, prefer a solo wade, for sure. Yeah, part of me, like when I go, and Randy might feel the same way, but like a lot of times when I want to go fishing, it's like a spur of the moment type of thing. Like I got a at appointment cancel, or you know, it's really nice out, and I'm like in the middle of the workday, and I don't have anything scheduled. I'm like, and it's like more work to like coordinate with somebody and like do it on their terms than it is for me just to go hook my boat up and just go and you know i get the maximum amount of time fishing as i possibly can um so that's probably more the motivating factor from a social aspect i definitely enjoy fishing with other people better but you know it's just it takes work to coordinate with other people so and sometimes you have to make compromises and you know that's it can be tough you're you're so, really think, you're uh, really good at compromising. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I do compromise all the time. Mm-hmm. I I we do we 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 both we we're both we you're about to compromise on our big annual trip, buddy. That's what you're about to compromise on. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We we don't we don't. If you're really good at compromising, you would just let me do whatever I want. I mean, I don't know what you want. Yeah. All right. Well, dude, Chris wants to go to St. Chris wants to go to St. Lawrence, uh, Randy. Uh, I'm going to ask you this. Would you go with a group of guys to St. Lawrence, half of whom don't have any electronics running kayaks? Um, and have never, nobody's ever been there. Would you go on a week long trip there? What time of year are you going? In like June, I fished there in the beginning of June, um, but I don't. You gotta be careful about that because what time? What part of June? 
because Bass is closed on the St. Lawrence, I think, until the third Saturday in right. June. Okay, yeah, let's that's say not, it's Saturday not even – Josh, it's not even on my list, to be fair. But <laughs> I just but was curious. I was also do. just curious to hear what he was going to say about it. So, But, like, for all things, all things, like, even, what do you think a trip like that, like, would – look like if like you, you know how me and chris fish like if we just went out let's say just me and him went out there third week of june like what do you think like would you think we'd struggle out there for a while before we actually like find the fish or is there just so many fish that we would just you know i, mean, like, I guess it depends quick. on where you're gonna go i don't I've, i mean i have i've never fished there by myself i've always gone there with a guide honestly um i've fished some of the days I've fished like down around like thousand islands, it wasn't very good at all. And hmm. that was, um, that was kind of end of the summer, but I would avoid that like post spawn for sure, because you almost need electronics because they're going to be deep. Like right. that's, I don't know. That's hard to fish like that. Yeah. Um, hmm. but third week of third Saturday of June, like, I don't know, like, I think sometimes those, elite guys are up there the end of June, beginning of July, and they're still catching them on beds. Like they are kind of behind what we're used to down here. As far I, as I mean, spawning and stuff. when I was on Lake Huron last year and it was the second week of July, I caught several fish on beds in middle of July, which was, I mean, crazy that they were still bedded up, but they're, they were in beds in four feet of water, five feet of water, you know? So, I think up there they probably they probably would still be on on beds. I mean, I think isn't the you know aren't those tournaments in like late late June, early July where they're catching them on beds like with those like whatever those things are called those big like road cones with like lenses on them or whatever. Oh yeah, the um, flogger is there flog? What is it called? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever those are. Yeah, so you can. So who needs there. electronics, dude? We'll just go get a bunch of traffic cones and some. <laughs> some sunglasses and we'll be fine yeah nah, dude well i uh, randy we appreciate you coming on josh any other quick hitter questions or guess? no i just want to give randy the chance i know that was one of the reasons why we recorded this to uh, give him a chance to kind of talk about his guide business yeah and then i think he has another little side gig with joe raymond so randy this is your this is your platform bud go ahead and uh uh, give the, give the boys uh, any information about how they can reach you and fish with you and get your services. Okay, yeah, I mean, so one one more thing though, I was thinking about this: who I'd want to fish with. Thing. Okay. And I, so now I have an answer for that. Before we get into that let's, stuff, let's hear it. So I'm sure my kids will my kids will eventually listen to this. I wish that my kids would go out more and fish with me because they're like not really i don't know it's like fishing competing with video games is but when they get out there i think they really enjoy it but um yeah so i wish my kids would go out fishing with me more it's like there's a lot of stuff that i could pass on and teach them i feel that stuff so i feel that for sure i'm saying yeah, i'm in same. the same boat there but you know i just keep i keep hoping that eventually they'll see that how much i enjoy it and you know they'll take an interest in it what happened either independently or whatever but i mean i think when i was a kid josh and i've talked about this before on the podcast but like 
you know, I think one of the biggest things that really got me into fishing was that I knew my, I, I knew a lot about it just from my dad. I went fishing with him from the time I was really little. Um, and then I think like in third or fourth grade, I got like a couple of friends that were really into fishing, you know, and because of that, I kind of thought, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of cool. Kids my age are also into this, you know, and I kind of got into it that way. And I think a lot of people end up doing, you know, getting into it by virtue of that too. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel that though, for sure. I'm the same way. I, I really, I, I enjoy that time out there with the kids and I think I, but I think I enjoy it way more than they do, you know, and I would like, I would like for it to be a, a thing where we're both equally enjoying it. So, yeah. Well, that, yeah. I had that video on Instagram, if you guys remember from, I had my youngest son out when I was off for that um, surgery. I couldn't fish, right? But he was out fishing and he caught like a 20 and a half incher and like, I don't know, to go back and watch the video, like. You could tell he was into it for that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it was exciting for him, man. Um, yeah, that's a good back since. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a tough one, man. I have two girls, and it's kind of one of those things. You take you take the trips when you can get them with them when they're like engaged, and I think my kids just like spending time with me when I'm out there, and you know. I think they think it's cool to catch fish. They get frustrated easily though. Like, I don't know if it's the like kind of video game TikTok generation. That's like, they need that like instant gratification. But if, when I get them patient enough to where they'll like do it on their own and they actually catch a fish on their own, it's, it fulfills this side of them that they don't get with that stuff. And it's, it's definitely cool to watch. And, you know, maybe they get into it, maybe they don't as they get older, but, you know, get out when you can with them and, uh, you know, try to try to not be a piece of shit dad like I am sometimes. So, For you know, sure. so, yeah. so, yeah. Um, well, I, uh, I will say this, you know, for the people that are interested in going on a guided trip with you or whatever, you know, when Josh and I and, and Derek all went out there last, last spring, I'll say that I haven't been on a lot of fishing trips where I've learned more. I think uh, I learned a ton when I was out there. I think it definitely added to to all of us. I think it added a new, a, a couple, maybe three new things got added into the toolbox, you know? Um, and uh, I thought it was really invaluable time, you know, just like I said, I mean, I can't think of another trip that I've been on as an adult where I've learned more about fishing. So, um, highly recommend you, uh, both as a guide and just for somebody to follow on Instagram and, and pay attention to what you're up to. Um, appreciate you very much. And, uh, if people want to book a guided trip, where can they find you? Um, so they can, they can just reach out to me directly, like through Instagram, if you want. Um, I do run trips through Susquehanna smallmouth guides. There's a website and I think there's some way you can book stuff and then Joe will get a hold of me. Um, so that's Susquehanna smallmouth My Instagram is Randy underscore long underscore. Um, yeah. So follow if you want to get a hold of me through Instagram, you can just follow me or message me or whatever. And we can try and figure something out. Um, I do have some dates and they're kind of, 
I'm running out of them, but I do have some dates in April still. Um, nice. The maybe end of March as well, but that would be it for the guide thing. Uh, I don't want to hold you guys up too much longer, but there, so the other part would be, um, I've been helping Joe Raymond out with, um, he has this company called precision templates where he, um, measures both we like i was measuring boats for him when he was guiding in new york i'd measure like i was go to rock proof boats and the people that would purchase the, the the flooring i would measure them and then um the installation and everything there um so you want to check that out if anybody's interested in that stuff go check that out too it's uh precision templates that's uh pa i think underscore boat flooring something like that maybe underscore at the end as and that's well. the that's the like uh, foam style uh, boat floors, but it it's like laser like scan so that it's like they print it out exactly for the dimensions. Yeah, so this this stuff's called Aqua Traction. So it is. It's like a closed cell. Like I have that um basically like bed liner in the bed of my in the interior of my boat now, and it's really slippery. This stuff is like thick dense foam it's probably easier on your joints and stuff like that it's not as slippery yeah and it is like that's what i would do he has the equipment i go and i measured i digitized the inside of the boat and then i'd save it on a file and i would send it to him he would edit it he sends it to the company and you got different colors um different um, patterns all kinds of stuff like that it is crazy i'm gonna be doing my boat we're getting older and uh like i don't have any seats in my boat really i, I have a, a pedestal in the back but when we're fishing for like a couple hours you see josh and i just start stretching our backs out we're bending over dude we're getting we're getting decrepit so dude that's that's a real thing man like lower back you know that standing on a boat uh all day without a butt seat or anything dude that you know it we are getting old, but it, it is, yeah. it's rough on your back. There's no doubt about for that. Sure. So. Well, appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for coming on the pod. Randy, appreciate you, man. Uh, look forward to hopefully getting back out this, uh, this spring where Josh and I were talking about some dates offline. So hopefully we can make it out, make it back out and uh, take advantage of your hospitality. Appreciate you. And uh, as always, free the fighter. Yeah. Free the free fighter. fighter. See you guys. Thanks, Randy. Yep, take care. See you. <gasps> no.